it was one of those days where I didn't, I didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. It's not a bad hair day. There's no actual explanation, and actually today's gone pretty well. Actually, I would say today's been a good day. But I have that attitude, and this happens every once in a while, where I go out into the world, and uh, I, I just get this, like, nothing's going to break my stride. If I can take the right away, I take it. Whereas normally, like, if a car is trying to, like, drive through a parking lot, I might just stop walking and let them pass, but today's one of those days where I'm like, no, you know what, I'm gonna walk in front of you. I don't care if you're in a big fucking car. I don't care if you're in this big armored vehicle. I'm gonna take the right of way and walk in front of you. And it's good, I mean, one of the, aside from the fact that it's a good thing to do, one of the reasons why I try to go out of my way at this point to be polite and kind as I go about my day, but one of the reasons is to make up for days like today, where I'm not being rude to anybody, you know? Like, I, I, haven't, I haven't had any problems with anybody today. I'm not going to go into a store and be rude to the cashier, but it's just what I'm talking about, where I'm just, I can feel the chip. I can feel the chip. Actually, I am the chip, as I've said on here before. I've spoken about this exact subject. Not a chip on my shoulder. I'm a chip on someone or something else's shoulder. I'm a chip on God's shoulder today. I'm the chip. I don't have a chip on my shoulder, but I am the chip on God's shoulder today. But who's to say there's not... Maybe it's both. I've never thought about that. I'm a chip on something else's shoulder today. But maybe there's a, a smaller chip on my shoulder who also has a chip on its shoulder and on it goes. But you know, the thing is, I, I enjoy feeling this way, you know, because when I feel this way, it's just I just feel cold. Like as I go out into the world, I just feel cold. And I look at people and I mean, it's, it's not... The state of things right now isn't helping things. I mean, it's amazing how much is deteriorating in this area just in the last year or two. Because, like, people forget. Like, people get used to things. It's like I was saying about inflation, where, like, they've been jacking prices up for a while, long before this whole Russia, Ukraine thing. They've been raising prices for a while since coronavirus, since all that. 30 cents here or there, I've noticed. But the thing is, people get used to that. Like, if they raise the price of whatever, you know, whatever you buy, whatever you buy. But if they raise that 30 cents, you're going to notice it initially, but you're going to adjust to that pretty quickly. And it's not like, I bet most people couldn't even remember what the original prices they were paying for a lot of things two years ago even were. Because you just kind of got used to it. It's the same thing with the deterioration around you, you know, where... Like, something that I'm very conscious of lately, and I know I've spoken about it on here, but one of the reasons I speak about it is because I don't want to get used to this. I don't want to ever feel like this is normal. I want to remember that this isn't normal, which is one of the reasons why I talk about it. And, you know, a good example is just the sheer number of syringe caps. I very rarely see actual used syringes, but the, just the number of syringe caps. We've always had junkies. We've always had homeless people in this area. Where I live right now, there have always been homeless camps in the woods, as long as I've lived here. But what there wasn't were just syringe caps everywhere. Every walk, every single walk. Any direction you go in, you're going to see some. And, you know, an orange, like, you know, as beautiful as, as orange is when it's natural, that, you know, that fake plastic orange color is one of the worst. Like, what they make me think of are the, like, at some point when I was a kid, they passed these laws where if you, if you sold toy guns, they had to have an orange cap on the end. And it sucked. He hated it. Like, if you still had it... Like, as a kid, I had a gun that never had an orange cap because it was old. 
you want everyone would fight over that like if kids were over at my house we would all like fight over who got to use that gun because it was so much cooler because it hey it didn't have a stupid orange cap on the end so i've been hating on the orange caps my entire life and then, i mean that, that got into people making toy companies started to make guns like not just put an orange cap at the end but they started to make them like neon they started to make them all kinds of you know bright colors and you hated those that's even worse than the the orange cap on the end because with the orange cap i don't think i ever did this but you could paint you could paint it over you know you could paint it black which is what the rolling stones song was about it was about it was a premonition about how in the future it was a prophecy about how in the future toy guns are going to be you know there's going to be laws about toy guns that say you have to put an orange cap on the end but as the rolling stones saying you could paint that orange cap black but if the entire gun was bright neon and sometimes like a, a smorgasbord of colors if that's even <laughs> if a smorgasbord even applies but it, it, it's like they'd have like multiple neon colors. But anyway, that's what I think of when I see these uh, these syringe caps. Is I'm, oh holy shit! I'm looking at a dead squirrel. It looks mummified. It's wild. If it's, if it's not a syringe cap, it's a mummified squirrel. Jesus. It's really weird. Like it didn't. It, it, I mean, it's not cold enough here to, for anything to freeze. It's, it's a pretty mild spring. I don't know, that that dead squirrel, though, looked mummified. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what I'm seeing anymore. Oh, here we are. There's a nice little, nice little old, I don't know what that is. Something else that was orange. So it's the thing, any any orange garbage now, it's funny, it was like the exact size of a syringe cap and the same exact color, but it wasn't one. I'm seeing syringe caps in my sleep. You're looking in the you look in the mirror and you see a syringe cap. But no, I mean uh Yeah, I mean I don't know, I was thinking about this too, because I saw I saw somebody in pajama pants. And you know, we kind of got lost in the yogi pants. Because before yogi pants, it was really big for girls to wear pajama pants everywhere. Like that started even way back when. I mean, that's over 20 years old. I mean, I, I, I remember that starting around the, the late 90s. Probably around the time I was in seventh grade girls like like girl like teenage girls or young adult girls like on their chill day or whatever but they would wear the shit to school but they would wear like plaid pajama pants with like a tank top and maybe a hoodie yeah that i would say that predated the yoga pants thing i mean definitely predated it predated the yogi pants but yeah where girls would wear pajama pants everywhere and guys too, but to a lesser extent. Like with women, it seemed to it, it seemed to mean something to them. I don't know what. I mean, comfort, I guess. But it seemed like a statement or something to me. Like when a girl just wears, and it didn't look like she just slept in that and woke up. Like it looked like she got dressed and consciously chose which pajama pants and like tank top to wear. It wasn't like oh, she just got out of bed that way. But uh, I saw I saw like a, a, a woman. I couldn't tell if it was like a teenage girl or a mom. It was I was walking by the skate park and I saw like a group of people standing there and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about pajama pants. I don't feel like I see them as much. Maybe I do. Maybe I'm just so used to it. You know, maybe I'm just so used to people wearing pajama pants everywhere that I don't notice it. But it did feel like that was a bigger statement or something in a pre-yogi pants world. You know, because there was there was the world before yogi pants, and I mean, here's the thing too: is yogi pants aren't even that hip now. You still see women wearing them. There's a new word I learned. There's a new phrase I learned, which is uh, I think they're called flare pants. 
which confused me because when I hear flare pants, I think of like those pseudo bell bottoms. Who knew this was a girl's fashion episode? Out in public doing a girl's fashion episode. But uh, when I hear flare pants, I think of those pseudo bell bottoms that were popular with girls around the, um, probably around that same period that they were wearing the pajama pants. You got yogi pants and pajama pants. But uh, yeah, it was like the pseudo bell bottoms were big with girls for a while, you know, around the late 90s, early 2000s. So when I hear flare pants, that's what I think of, like flares. But there's, there's something new called flare pants, which is those, they're kind of like yogi pants, but they've got, uh, they've got these like intricate like mandala designs on them. They're more like Eastern looking, they have like, an, like a pseudo Eastern looking print. Like it looks like the same sort of shit you'd see on a, you know, a college hippies wall flag. Like college, like I would always see this, like none of my friends are like this, but when I was in college, sometimes you'd go over to like a weed dealer's house and they'd have those, like I don't even know what they are, but they're like these big like thin blankets or sheets with mandalas and patterns on them and they would all have them. They would have them on the walls, they would have them on the ceiling. And sometimes too, it was even like a wigger who had it. Which like, that's, that's gotta be one of the more disgusting combos. Like the enlightened wiggers, sort of. Yeah, I mean, there's something almost glorious, you know, about it, though, too. You know, it's like just that combination of things. You know, there's something almost, in, I mean, it, it's something almost impressive about it. I was walking by uh, the fruit stand. There's this, like, local fruit stand I was walking by. And right as I said, you know, the, the enlightened wigger is, there's something almost glorious about it. I made eye contact with this, like, middle-aged man shopping for fruit. Not very far away from him, like, ten feet away from him. And he just looks up right as I say, like, the enlightened wigger. Something almost glorious about it. Something almost glorious about it. Glorious. But, uh... Enlightened Wigger. The Enlightened Wigger. It's the name of my store. That'd be a good store. You sell like... I mean, it would cater to the exact type of person I'm talking about. The stoner Wigger who's kind of, through drugs, has gotten into like pseudo-Eastern spirituality. Pretty much me. I'm, I'm pretty much describing me. But that'd be a good one. That'd be a good store. But anyway, uh, you go over to like a, some dealer's house, like a friend of an acquaintance. That's how it always was. Like when I'd go to those people's houses, they were always like a friend of an acquaintance of an acquaintance. And uh, that's what those flare pants are like, though. Like those flare pants are like the sort of like pseudo Eastern mandala blankets the enlightened wiggers put on their wall when they sell you weed except they're like stretchy tight like these pants that girls wear they're tight like yoga pants where like they like they hug the ass what we call hugging the ass where they hug the ass so it's like very well defined that's the crazy thing about all that stuff not to get too lecherous but it really is wild like i'll sometimes think this when i'm out and about where i'll just like I'll think like, wow, yeah, you know, we've been living in this time now for a few years where you go to the store or you go out and about and there's a pretty good chance that you'll come across a young woman who is who's wearing pants that like pretty much reveal the entire shape and definition of her ass. And it's just a fact of life now. It's kind of amazing. Like... It, what it kind of, it, it's kind of reminiscent. I mean, I'm, I'm doing like fashion nostalgia here, which I never thought I'd do. But like, you know, there was a, a trend too about 20 years ago where young women were wearing those white pants. They were completely see-through. And that always got me. It, it was always such an interesting decision because that started to get big when I was in junior high. 
And so did thongs, which of course I was very into. I was into both those things. I was into the white pants. I was into the thongs. Again, I, I, I got to avoid getting lecherous. But it was always such an interesting decision. Because like very quickly, all the guys learned that like if a girl's wearing those pants, you're going to be able to see something. And it was a big topic. Like it wasn't just something that like some people noticed and kept to themselves. People were always talking about it. And other girls were judging other girls for it. Like other girls would judge other girls for wearing those uh, see-through pants. You don't see those anymore. Not as much. You don't really see... Um, you don't really go out and about and see people wearing those. I mean, maybe it depends on where you live. But, it, you know, it used to be a thing that was big here. And you just don't see it. You do see the yogi pants. You do see the yogi pants. But that's kind of dying. Like, I was... What got me on that was... The yogi pants, you're seeing a little bit less of that, and you're seeing these flare pants take their place. I just learned, just in the last couple months, really, I just learned this term flare pants that, I, like I said, confuses me with flared jeans from a while ago. But these flare pants have gotten big, and I guess they kind of do flare out in the, like around the, the calves or the calves or the ankles, they do kind of flare out, but the material is this yogi pant sort of stuff that like hugs the ass, hugging the ass. Just kind of an interesting thing, and I mean, obviously they, they go hand in hand with yogi, because uh, this Eastern, I mean, it's, it's such a big thing with girls in their early 20s, early mid 20s now, I mean, I guess all ages. But it, you know, yoga is such a big thing with them. Um, like it's, it's really like defined their entire aesthetic, which is interesting. Like, like yoga and yoga merch has really defined an entire generation of women. Like we know, I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know. Like we know that that shit's been really popular, but I would say it actually defined a certain generation of women some of whom might even be like past their prime now like some of the like i think the women who that look and that approach defined i think they're hitting 30 now so that's interesting like the yoga the yogi pants generation of women might be a little bit uh, behind us i think it is i think i'm on to something here um just one second all right we're back now if, if there's one thing though that i truly don't give a shit about or that i have like a very simple black and white view of it's women's fashion like for me it truly i truly am a caveman where it's like does she look hot in it does she look hot that's pretty much all i ask myself and i don't even ask it like, the only thing I care about when it comes to women's fashion is, does it look hot? Like, yeah, obviously I think, like, certain looks are better than other, look, other looks, you know? I think there's horrible fashion trends that I notice, and good fashion trends. But, uh, overall, though, like, when it comes to actually having an opinion, you know, I mean, it really just comes down to, like, does she look hot? And if yes, great. And if no, well, no big deal. I'm not upset when a girl doesn't look hot. <laughs> I'm not upset when a girl doesn't wear clothes that make her look hot. I just, you know, I just don't care. But uh, if they do make her look hot, you know, I, I have an opinion on that. I remember I worked with a chick one time and I overheard her saying to like another coworker, I like her boyfriend had a thing. He had a thing for yoga pants, which every guy does, but no, he had, he had a thing for yoga pants, like when the top is folded over, which I, which is weird. Cause like I heard her saying that I heard my coworker saying that to somebody like, Oh, my boyfriend's really into like yoga pants. I don't even know what that is. Like, it's like the top is folded down a little bit. I mean, I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. 
And until that moment where, where she mentioned that, I, it, it never really registered me that, oh yeah, they do do that. But I love how like, that's, that's men in a nutshell, this like hyper-specific fetish practically. Because I don't even know what it is about that. Like I get it though. Like when I overheard that, I got it. Like I, I understood, I understood like what she was saying, like from the boyfriend's point of view. I was like, oh yeah, that is something they do. That is something the girls do, is they fold the the top of the yoga pants down. So there's, so there's like this little fold over at the top. And there is something hot about it. Why? I really don't even know with that one, because it doesn't really change anything. When they fold the top down like that, it really doesn't change anything that I can think of. Like, I don't think it really, it doesn't really change how the material hugs a girl's ass. So what is it that's kind of exciting about that? I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's in the same category maybe as uh, when uh, there was that weird phase, I don't know if it ever, I don't know when it began or ended, where women were wearing... Uh, they were wearing like, like I don't even know. They, they were like almost like these belts that went around your stomach. It's kind of like like dangly pierced belly buttons. Like when women were getting like dangly jewelry from their belly buttons for a little while. They were also wearing these, and it's not like like many girls you knew were wearing these, because the ones I'm thinking of, it was like you would see like celebrities and you would see like models and people wear these. Where it was like usually like a like metal jewelry, like a chain material or something kind of fancy looking. And it would like rest on her hips, but like too high for a belt. So when women would wear like a midriff shirt, they would have this weird, almost like a like a jewelry sash that went around their stomach, their lower stomach, their lower abdomen, but above above their waist. Weird. But it, there was something hot about it. Like I understood why it developed. I was like, oh yeah, there is something attractive about that what is it and uh, it, you know, there were some women too like normal girls who were during that period they were wearing these sort of they were like big belts but they didn't go through the loopholes of their pants they just wore these like big decorative belts that again kind of hugged their lower abdomen and didn't have any practical value that one I'd have to think about that one again that one, because I do remember girls wearing those too. Uh, but I don't. I didn't have any opinion on those though. Those kind of looked ridiculous. Like when a girl would wear an oversized belt that's not looped through her pants, just kind of like resting there. That always looked silly to me. Kind of a silly maneuver for for a young woman. But the ones that were like decorative, like a girl with like a gold jewelry chain around her uh, exposed abdomen. Like, there was something very sexual and attractive about that. I'm, I'm about to walk by the fruit stand again. I would love for them to hear my uh, female fashion review. There's something about these uh, jewelry belts the girls wore around their abdomen that was just something so hot about it. But I don't know. We're living in a time, too, though, where... I mean, like certain, uh, depending on like the kind of person you are in today's world, you know, it's like, like, like I've, I've gotten into before. It's like, there are certain ways that you can, you know, decorate yourself where, uh, there's certain ways you can decorate yourself where nobody's going to know what kind of person you are, you know? Where, uh, you know, nobody's going to know, like, what your beliefs are, what you're interested in. And there's something to be said for that. Because we went so far in the other direction over recent years. You know, because the message that was pretty loud and clear when I was growing up was, like, decorate yourself. Not that parents were necessarily saying that, but it's like all the momentum, all the cultural momentum 
was like, hey, you're a child of the 90s. You're a child of the 80s and 90s, and you're coming of age around the time of the new millennium. Decorate yourself. Get tattoos. Wear logos. Because it wasn't just like, you know, when I grew up, you were going to be wearing a logo one way or the other. You were either wearing, like, the logos of popular clothing brands. Could be Tommy Hilfiger. Could be Tommy Hilfiger. Could be uh, any, any brand. A lot of logos on everything. Really, very bizarre, actually. Nike. Nike. You got Nike. You got Tommy Hilfiger and Nike. You had a logo on you, but then, but then if you got into like, if if you strayed from the mainstream, what we call hugging the ass and straying from the mainstream. But if you strayed from the mainstream, you're gonna be wearing logos too. You're gonna buy band shirts. You're gonna wear alternative brands. Very few people wore just plain shirts. Even pants got into the logo game. There were a bunch of pant brands that, like when baggy jeans were popular, it got very big to have decorations on your jeans, like a logo, a big logo, so people know what kind of jeans you're wearing. It just seemed like no matter where you turned, like if you're into sports, you're wearing a lot of sports logos. It was just logo, 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 logos. It's wild to think about. And you wanted that. You sought it out. It's not just that a lot of your options involved logos. It's that you sought it out back then too. Because you wanted to decorate yourself. The idea was decorate yourself. But what's interesting about that is it didn't really tell you... Like it told you that somebody, it told you that somebody was trying to kind of set themselves apart and be an individual. But the way that somebody decorated themselves didn't necessarily tell you that much more about them, about what they truly believed. You know, it's interesting to think to think back and. You know, even when a kid, like, let's, let's just go with, like, an obvious example, like someone, like a goth kid, a gath kid. You know, a goth kid is trying to set themselves apart by decorating themselves. That's basically what a goth kid is doing every day. I feel different, or I want to be different, or I like dark stuff. So I'm going to decorate myself so that people know that. I'm going to decorate myself every morning. But what do you know about that person? Like, what do you know about that person's belief? It goes back to, like, the hyper-politicization of everything. Because, like, I look back at growing up and, and, you know, politics were such a small, small... It, politics were almost like a... Uh, trying to think of the word it was like an obscure interest politics or something and that includes like social politics as well but uh politics were like it was like 0.01 percent of my high school even cared about politics or thought about it one way or another and and there was a lot of shit going on at that time too like my first year of high school my first week, I think it was like my second week of high school, 9-11 happened. But you know what? People didn't really think about it. Like, they, re they reacted to it. But people didn't really have, like, distinct political views on that. Especially high schoolers. And, uh... That was, you know, and then, so... That was like the most political event that happened in my when I was in high school, 9-11. And, uh, but like it just kind of, nobody really discussed politics that much. Like they, they formed the Gay and Straight Alliance at my high school. 
They called it the GSA. They formed the GSA at my high school. The Gay and Straight Alliance. Gay Straight Alliance. And, you know, it was allowed to function. Like, I mean, they had this club. And, uh... They didn't get harassed or anything. There was something, though, where, like, they tried to, uh... Like, they had a banner on the wall advertising their club, and, like, somebody tore it down and maybe, like, tried to do something to it. And the person's explanation for why they did it was because they're not allowed to have a straight alliance. Kind of, you know, like, a, like the, my high school's equivalent of, uh... It's, it's like my, my high school's equivalent of, like... Somebody's saying, like, well, there's a black entertainment channel, but why isn't there a white entertainment channel? I'm yelling. But, uh, it, basically my high school's equivalent of that. Like, somebody tore down the gay pride banner, and their excuse was like, well, you're allowing them to have a gay pride banner. What about a straight pride banner? We can't, we're not allowed to have that. So, there was a little bit of that kind of thing. You know, people were dropping the, the... People calling people fag left and right. Those are the days where you just... I mean, you never called gay people that. You never called gay people... I, that's the thing. I, I don't think I ever actually heard... Because there were, there were a couple gay kids. You know, there were a couple kids in my school who everybody knew was gay. A few of them. I think some of us knew they were gay before they knew they were gay. But there, I don't remember those kids really getting the brunt of any of it. I don't believe I ever actually heard anyone call one of them a fag or a faggot. Whereas that was a term reserved for everybody, everybody, you know, it was just something that people used for everybody. Um, but, uh, you know, so I don't remember people like harassing the GSA kids, calling them that. Maybe it happened. You know, I'm not saying I was privy to everything. And, uh, the kid tearing the, the banner down, that's, you know, it's not cool. It's not a nice thing to do. Um, but that was the most uh, controversial event I can remember. That was the most, like, social, socio-political event that I can remember. You know, because, I mean, of course, like... We, there was a lot of stuff about... Uh, there's a lot of stuff, like, built into the curriculum... Like, I mean, this is the, the late 90s, early 2000s. So there was, of course, like a lot of it's a small world, sort of like multiculturalism sort of stuff going on that they were promoting. But nobody really... And the thing is, the thing that's funny about that stuff is people kind of rolled their eyes at it. Nobody really had a strong reaction to it, but everybody kind of knew it was forced and cheesy. Like, everybody knew that it, it was... I don't know, people would mock it. Like, people would look... A good example is... Um, every year, like, when you get a, a new textbook, like, a teacher gives you a math book or a science book, a history book, you know what a textbook is. Everyone would kind of point out, like, the photos on the cover. Because it would always have, like, a kid of each race and a kid in a wheelchair. And... Uh, kids knew that though kids were kids were like sharp on that you know kids kids would see that and they'd be like oh i know what they're doing they're they're going out of their way to represent everybody and kids kind of rolled their eyes at it not they weren't rolling their eyes at the idea of people from different backgrounds existing in harmony they were just rolling their eyes at the idea that this was obviously mandated there was obviously some sort of pressure or mandate for textbooks to use pictures where every single type of person is represented. And kids just kind of saw that and were like, okay, well, I know what they're doing. And that's a, what a lot of that stuff is. You know, a lot of that stuff is... Like, a, a lot of the resistance to, you know, some of what's going on in our culture is people just saying, like, I know what you're trying to do. I know what you're doing. Like, you're, you're telegraphing everything. Like, you're not convincing anybody. People are, are responding and saying, like, this is, this comes across unnatural. 
And that's kind of what kids were doing back then. Like when some of these forced, you know, socio-political messages hit our schools, kids just kind of rolled their eyes at it. They didn't have strong opinions, though, and it wasn't, like, it was very rare for a kid in school to have anything resembling a political opinion. Like, there was one girl that I remember who was a super, her family were, like, super Bush-supporting Republicans, and she was very outspoken, but, I mean, she was an idiot. Like, she didn't know anything about what she was talking about. She just basically parroted whatever her dad said. Which is a whole, you know, subgenre of Republicans, like the ones who are like, I'm, I am whatever my daddy is. You know, I agree with my dad on a lot of things, but not because he's my dad and I feel obligated to. But this girl was one of those where she was like this young Republican type who she believed what she believed because her daddy believed it. And she was obnoxious. And uh, actually, I was with her on 9-11. I had class with her. I was with her on 9-11. Now, I was with her in a homeroom on 9-11, and she was just mouthing off like an idiot all week. And then there were some like more liberal kids who were kind of a little more... a little more hip. Like they, But the thing is, they were kind of like drinking the backwash of like 1960s counterculture... Like, they were the kind of kids who, like, would read Jack Kerouac. Like, they were kind of, like, huffing the fumes of, like, baby boomer, you know, counterculture stuff at best. And so there was, like, a, there was a kind of, like, a subset of kids who, and obviously, like, the punk kids kind of would parrot some of that stuff. I don't know how many of them really had hardline opinions. With them, it was usually veganism. That's what I remember with them is... The most controversial thing that they cared about was veganism, animal rights stuff. They didn't really talk about, I mean, everybody, I guess, was kind of anti-war. That's what I remember. The most overtly political opinion that people had was opposition to the Iraq war in particular. Nobody really gave a shit about Afghanistan. Like, being in high school and coming of age at that time, I don't remember anybody resisting us going into Afghanistan because the idea was they were we were getting the guys who attacked us on 9-11, but it was the Iraq war when I noticed that kids at my high school, myself included, were actually like, hey, we're not on board with this. Like a girl that I knew, very smart girl, I remember like she went to one of the, pro like she and a couple other kids and like some teacher went to one of the anti-war protests in 2003 or whatever year that was. And I remember I was surprised to hear that. I mean, that was kind of amazing to me. I was like, whoa, that's, that's amazing. Like she and a couple other girls and, and the science teacher, you know, took the bus to Seattle to protest the Iraq war. I was like, wow, I don't, I, at that point, I didn't know anybody who'd done anything like that. But they were very exceptional, you know. Even with things being as polarizing as they were under uh, Bush, it, it was kind of interesting just how few people had opinions on anything. And now I think that's changed pretty dramatically, where a lot of what I see is actually young people with very strong hardline opinions, like even high school age. And I think that is that's definitely a product of technology and the internet. Because you think like, yeah, you know, when I was in high school, junior high, but let's go with high school. You know, kids had the internet, like they would spend time online, but nobody was using the internet to like talk about social issues, political issues. Kids weren't getting online and reading the news. There was no, you know, social media or, you know, feedback loop to amplify all that stuff and, you know, inflame everything. So what you really had was, uh, you know, kids not really taking in much information, therefore not really talking about it either. Like, kids just weren't really talking about that stuff. And they didn't use the internet to learn about that stuff either. Um, so, uh, 
you know, nowadays though, it's like we're a big part of, I mean, just part of the fandom, part of the, you know, part of the, the entertainment that people get these days is filled with that stuff for one. Like entertainment is filled with those things. So even if you're not just paying attention to politics, you're still getting a huge dose of all those messages from virtually all entertainment now. Hey, baddie. Um, and then uh, you're also just paying attention to the to the stuff too. Like like everybody you know is talking about that stuff. They're telling you it's the most important thing in the world. They're telling you you need to care about this, and you need, you need to care about it in this highly specific way. And not only do you need to care about it, you need to make sure that other people care about it. And if they don't, you need to give them hell. So there's a lot of pressure to care about these things. And we over-decorated ourselves. I haven't lost that idea. We ended up over-decorating ourselves. You know, we reached a point where a significant number of young people, especially normal people, like we reached a point where there were a lot of normal people who have tons of tattoos. They've explored all kinds of fashion trends. They've gotten all kinds of haircuts. And now what do they do? Like now what what do you do once you not only have you overdecorated yourself but you're part of a generation and a culture that has completely overdecorated itself collectively. Well, one of the options is just to go back to what God gave you. And that's kind of how I feel. Like the older I get, the the happier I am. I never got a tattoo because I'm just like, hey, everything I got, you know, my body, it's it's what God gave me. Not that I think that's better or worse. Like I don't like I said, I think tattoos look cool. I don't think tattoos are uncool. They just became really normal. You know, they don't uh I mean I, I think tattoos on a woman are attractive. I think tramp stamps are attractive. I've always been a proponent. You know, back in the, the heyday of tramp stamps, I was a fan then, I'm a fan now. Um, but, but I mean, the tramps, tramp stamps speak to my point, which is over decoration, like a generation of young women all got these freaking tattoos on their lower back, which I love, which I love, but, uh, where do you go from there? And then now we're seeing, you know, the mutation, we're seeing people do things to their bodies now, which I won't mention and I won't get specific about. But we can all see it. We can all see the freak show we're living in. We're like your choice. Like when you live in an over-decorated society, where individuals and just people as a whole, we've been living in this, this, this world of tattoos and logos and constant modification and endless possibilities for haircuts and hair colors and glasses like oh i don't like these glasses but i like these ones oh, I, I need to get new frames it's like every single thing about us we want to customize like we might as well be create a player in a video game where it's like no my hair i want to change my hair to this and i want to bleach just the tips and then i want to get these glasses but you know what i think i want i want to also have these glasses for when i feel like wearing thicker frames and you know, and, and this necklace and this tattoo and this watch and these shoes and even my socks. I mean, when I was growing up, it was a huge status symbol in my junior high to wear Tommy Hilfiger socks. Tommy Hilfiger in general. Tommy Hilfiger. Tommy Hilfiger. Tommy Hilfiger was a big status symbol. The socks in particular, I had some, telling you a little bit too much about me, maybe. I I had a pair of uh, Tommy Hilfiger socks for a little bit. It was a status symbol because it had the little logo on it. 
It was, that was a weird time because, like, if something had that Tommy Hilfiger logo, it was a big thing. Like, you immediately were like, oh, oh. Tommy Hilfiger Cologne. Tommy Hilfiger Cologne. I, I smelled, I could smell that Tommy Hilfiger Cologne on you. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, I mean, when you live in an over-decorated time, your response is either to just let go of it all and just be like, you know, I'm just going to be generic. I'm just going to be completely generic, which becomes a thing unto itself. That The, the thing is, though, why this shit never ends and why humanity is, is destined just to lose its mind, why we're all just destined for a padded cell someday, is because it's like, and Alan Watts gets into this, of course, in a spiritual sort of context, but it's like when society becomes over-decorated and everybody has tattoos, everybody's wearing logos, everybody has a custom haircut, everybody's just jewelry, everybody's fully decorated. The way to decorate yourself is then to not decorate yourself, where it's like, oh, to stand out in an over-decorated society, you don't have tattoos, but that's a trap unto itself. That's that one-upping game that Alan Watts talks about, where you can always find that thing that sets you apart and like use that as a weapon against other people almost. And we will do it about everything. But truly, like, I mean, to get away from that for a second, just when you live in an over-decorated society... You know, and you want to set yourself apart. It's like your options are basically either do nothing and just become generic because that becomes a new form of decoration in an overly decorated society. Or your other option is to take it even further, to become a super freak. It's why some of those guys years ago, like those, those uh, they'd like get their tongue split in half or get like those bumps put in their forehead. Or get horns. Really stupid shit. That shit's so stupid. That shit is so stupid. Like, unbelievably stupid. I have a hard... I have a very hardline, harsh opinion on that. Like, reptile freaks. Because even as a kid, when I'd be watching a TV show and they'd be like, We're, we're going to talk to the lizard man. We're going to go talk to the lizard man. Hi, welcome to, you know, NBC News. Tonight we're going to go talk to the lizard man. Oh, look at how weird this guy is. Oh, he has, he wears contact lenses so his eyes look like reptile slits. And he has horns in his head and ball bearings in his head. Oh, and he's tattooed part of his face green to look like a lizard. And he, he split his tongue so that it, like, has two little... He split his tongue in two, so it's a forked tongue. Even as a kid, when I would see that, I would go, he's not weird. That guy's not weird. If you put that much effort into being weird, it's just all right there. You're not weird, dude. Sorry. If it took that amount of decorating yourself, you're not weird. You're the most boring person in the world. Who knew that I had such passion about these, like, lizard men? But that shit, I, I always saw that, and I was like, that's not weird. It's stupid. I'm not going to give that guy attention. I'm not going to pretend that's interesting. And so, like, your options in an over-decorated world are either, like, becoming that idiot or doing nothing, or now what we're seeing now. I mean, now what we're seeing now, huh? Now what we're seeing now. But what we're seeing with teenagers, these new ways that people want to identify, and I think that's a byproduct. I think a large reason for that is that we hit sort of a wall with decorating ourselves. So the next, the next thing to do is to completely disintegrate. The next thing to do is to start challenging the very foundations of who we are and what makes us what we are. It's deconstructing 
identity, which is what we're seeing. That's that's basically what happened. Is like in the '90s and, and early 2000s, like young people were like, "Oh, there's all these new ways that I can carve out a unique identity for myself," and then everybody did that. Huge amounts of people did that, and they all did it in very similar ways. So, what's the next step from there? You basically took identity and individualism as far as you could go on a societal level. What's the next step? Well, deconstructing your identity. Deconstructing the foundations of your identity. And so that's what we've been seeing. You know, that's what we've been seeing now for a while. And... Uh, the way other people felt about tramp stamps, which I was a fan, I never said I never had a single bad word to say about tramp stamps. I was a fan then, I'm a fan now. But the way other people used to talk about them, I mean just the fact that they started calling them tramp stamps. The amount of negative press, the amount of anti-tramp stamp propaganda that was out there. People still make snide remarks about them. But when I look at all this other stuff going on right now, when I see the state of our culture right now, that might as well be a tramp stamp to me. Like the way other people feel about tramp stamps, that's how I feel about every fucking thing I'm seeing people do these days. Like our culture right now, to me, might as well be one big fucking tramp stamp and not a sexy one, not an attractive one. And all, and, and to be honest, all tramp stamps are sexy and attractive to me. But this one, this culture-sized tramp stamp that we're living in right now, that people won't even admit is a tramp stamp, it is an unattractive one. It is a disgusting one. And when I see what's going on, that's what I see. Our culture right now is a big, nasty tramp stamp. This land is mine. God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children Take